ever had any questions about the Bible that you just couldn't get a solid answer for? Perhaps someone gave you answers, but they were confusing or not biblical. You tuned in at the right time and place to find real answers from God's Word, the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. Be sure to turn your radio down when you call. Live from Guam, join us now for Straight from the Bible with Pastor Louis Moffness. Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to another time of Straight from the Bible. And here in the studios of Joy FM, we have a live Bible question and answer program, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Please join us for prayer as we begin. Our wonderful Lord, we are grateful that the Word of God, the Word of Truth, is here to give us your, uh, your truth, to give us your, your, your leadings, and we ask that you please continue to give us your spirit please be also with our li- also with our listening friends in Jesus name we pray amen amen well thank you very much for coming and uh, this is straight from the Bible we would like to welcome you to our uh, our program here and during this time we are going to be taking your questions and finding Bible answers for them and so my name is Pastor Louis Moffness, and with me is my wonderful wife, Jessica. Hello, Jessica. So glad that you're here with me. Hello, Pastor Moffness. Thank you for having me with you in the studios today. And we're very glad that our listening friends are joining us. And if you have a question about God or anything about the Scriptures, then now is your time to call in your questions, and we'll do our best to, go, to get answers straight from the Bible. And Jessica, perhaps you can give them those contact information so they can call or contact us. Because we are live right now in the studios of Joy FM, please give us a call. If you are on the island of Guam, that number is 472-1111. If you are in Saipan, Tinian, or Rota, that number is 323-1113. If you'd like to text or WhatsApp your question, that's 686-9999. And if you'd like to email your Bible question, that's Bible at joyfmradio.net. And we are also live on Facebook right now, facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. You can also put your question there. If you want us to see your question, you're welcome to do so. And yes, that's in the comments section. And you're, uh, if you are listening to this program at any other time uh, besides Monday from 5 to 6 p.m., then you're listening to a rebroadcast. You can still contact Joy FM, of course, but the answer to your question will come the next program. Presumably, that is the next Monday. And so go ahead and take advantage of the time that we have. We're in our first half hour uh, section of our program. We'll be taking a break around 5.30. So go ahead and pick up the phones right now and call in your question. All right. Now, while we're waiting for our friends to call us, Jessica, uh, perhaps we can take a look at um, some of the questions that have been emailed to us. All right. uh, So let me go ahead and pull out the question from the email. Okay. So it's (laughs) talking about churches holding wedding ceremonies. How is it? That churches are okay mm-hmm. with holding we- wedding ceremonies of people who have biblically committed adultery. Hmm. And they gave some verses, Luke 16 and 1 Corinthians 7. Churches hold second or third marriages, 
yet at the same time refuse to hold same-sex marriages. Seems like a hypocritical stance. A hypocritical stance on, on marriage. marriage. Oh. Well, um, once more, I don't know everything that uh, the person is actually referring to. Um, uh, second or uh, second or third marriages, there may be uh, um, marriages that are second and third but are still biblical. Mm. Um, Jesus himself uh, was asked the question about a person who was married to, I believe, seven brothers. Right. <laughs> uh, a woman was, be- um, and because she was a widow after each husband died. And so still biblical and still acceptable. Um, so, and then uh, uh, marriages where people have biblically committed adultery, yes, that is true. That if a person, um, if a person is guilty of adultery, then um, uh, that um, to prevent to prevent uh, the furtherance of of adultery, the person should consider that before getting married. Um, the thing is, is that in the Bible, we do have uh, cases of like, uh, for instance, um, in Jericho, there was a harlot and the harlot's name was Rahab. And she, you know, although she was an adulteress, she turned towards the true God and we can say that she received salvation from him and forgiveness. And and Rahab was uh, did get married to a godly man. And so, you know, I, once more, the, this is, uh, there may be specifics that we don't know, and so we can't categorically just blanket statement that all these things are, um, all these different situations should um, uh, be addressed in all the same manner. Uh, whenever a, per, uh, a person is going to get married, it, it's very, very um recommendable that they receive pastoral uh, premarital counseling Mm -hmm. before it happens so that the pastor can make sure that everything is being done well and being done according to the will of God. And uh, Jessica, did you have a verse to read for us? Um, I think you were probably looking up one of the verses that he, um, that the, the, the questioner was uh, referring to. Right. So I was looking at first Corinthians chapter seven, verse 39. It says, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes. Okay. So, yes, uh, once more, when a person dies, the woman, if she marries another person, is not an adulteress. Right. That's pretty much what I was saying at the first part. Right. Did now, you want me to read this one? Oh, uh, that's Yes, yes, just, just so that we know what the questioner the person who sent in the question is talking about. Okay, so the, they left Luke 16, verse 18. It says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. That's right. And then, once more, mm-hmm. if, that, if one of the spouses dies, then that person's freed. Right. Okay, right. Uh, now, the, but really what the question it seems to be is not really clarifying the adultery. The question seems to be the the act of churches disregarding biblical injunctions when mm. it comes to marriage. Yes, that is a concern. Um, I can't speak for all churches, but if you have a concern about unbiblical marriages, unwise marriages, um, 
I would recommend that you go to the pastor and bring these very valid concerns to him. Right. Perhaps he has insight that you don't as to why uh, the marriage is, in fact, allowable. And um, But if he is in the wrong, then, of course, you've done your part in bringing the matter to him. Um, in some churches, it's the pastor. Uh, you can bring these uh, things to the elders, and they can bring it, uh, you know, they can address it, address it as well. Um, at the same time, it's a, uh, the questioner seems to say that they do this, but they refuse to hold same-sex marriages. Well, I think every church should refuse that. Mm. Uh, some, uh, no matter what they may be doing wrong, they shouldn't not refuse that. Mm. <laughs> they should refuse it, even if everything there else is doing wrong. Of course, we want to do everything right, not just one thing. Right. I'm not saying that uh, they should be hypocritical, but um, we really should um, be sure that uh, one wrong doesn't make another uh, doesn't make uh, another wrong in, uh, excusable. Right. So right. let's let's do sin everything right. Sin. Yeah, sin is still sin. Let's do everything right. Um, and so, yes, please, by all means, uh, take it to your uh, pastor. Um, he may once more. He may have insights into the situation where uh, that you know insights that you don't facts about the situation that you don't. Uh, that shows that, in fact, it is a, a biblical marriage. Or if he is in the wrong, then you've done your your Christian part in bringing the matter uh, to light. Um, and everything, please remember, being faithful and true is is important, and also being merciful, and uh, merciful, extending mercy without compromising truth. And so both are very important. Right. And I, I like how um, you know uh, when a pastor, uh, when a pastor is being asked to marry a couple, that the pastor or you know the, the elder, like he said, uh, does some uh, marriage counseling mm-hmm. before they uh, marry the 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 male and female. Yes, um, premarital counseling is yeah. very important. Right. Even if everything is going right, like two Christian people never had a, a sketchy past, mm-hmm. even if they're starting out entirely right, premarital counseling is still very important because, let's face it, marriage needs a lot of instruction to, right. to know how to make it, uh, to make it work, uh, to encounter the hardships that come when two mm-hmm. uh, people are going out uh, together, united to take on the world. And so, yes, premarital counseling, definitely seek that and if it's done biblically, you can only have um, added blessings and a straight path. Right, and I think that's very good because sometimes even uh, a pastor or elder, they don't really know the background of the, the, the couple that is coming forward to get married. So it's it's good to get to know them and find out their backgrounds yes. and things like that Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they know what they're getting into. Okay, so thank you very much for the question. We certainly hope that we addressed it uh, sufficiently. And so because that's more of a counseling and personal, uh, something that can only be answered in that situation, I I suggest that you go to the pastor who's, uh, who's officiating and maybe get some clarification. Right. Okay, thank you very much, whoever sent in that question. 
And uh, we would like to hear a call, so go ahead and pick up your phone and call Joy FM, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Okay, so Jessica, do we have another question? So a question did come in through email, and it says, if a Christian woman is pregnant and Jesus comes and she goes to heaven, what happens to the baby that's within her? <laughs> okay, uh, again, a very specific scenario. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Um, you know, Jesus did say, woe to those. Let's let's go there. Uh-huh. Um, when Jesus, I believe it's in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus Christ, when he says about the, about the last day uh, scenarios, especially when it's talking about persecutions, and he said, woe unto those who are with child. And you see, you see that in the book of uh, Matthew 24, verse 19. And I think we can start at verse 15, 15 to 19. Yeah, it Would says, you like to read that, Jessica? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. And verse 21 says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no nor ever shall be. Mm-hmm. So Jesus Christ, um, he speaks the truth, and he paints a very, very, I don't want to say bleak, because bleak sounds like there's no hope, but a very serious and sobering picture of the last days mm-hmm. and of the tribulation that comes upon those who are faithful to God uh, during those days. Great powers, national powers and, and uh, spiritual powers are are brought to, um, well, basically brought to attack God's faithful people. And Jesus says, woe unto those who are with child. That means they are pregnant. And for those who are nursing children, in other words, taking care of very small babies, uh, because that those are hard times. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just not an enviable thing. Now, what happens, though, if Jesus comes and there is a woman with child? Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, I don't know, because the Bible doesn't say anything about that. And when the Bible is silent about a thing, it's probably best that I be silent in giving a definite answer. But you know what I can say? Mm. God is good. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. God is good, and he will always make the right decision. Um, If the woman is a Christian and she is taken to heaven, I don't see God saying, leave the baby. Right, leave the (laughs) baby behind. All I know is that God is good, and he loves children, and... Um, I'm beginning to think that this scenario is actually very unlikely (laughs) because of the way things are going to be happening in the last days. Um, But let's let's just trust God. And, you know, uh, any woman who is in that kind of predicament during that time, no matter how no matter how hard it may be. One thing that we um, that the God God's last day people in the end, one thing they are learning is to trust God with everything. 
And uh, God loves her. God loves the baby. God loves his commandment-keeping people. Right. And so we know that we can trust God. Did you have anything to add to that? No, I I, I like what you said. Um, you know, I was thinking when Christ comes back, I was thinking the verses, you know, those who are alive and remain, who are in Christ Jesus will mm. be caught up to meet him in the air. And if if the mama is faithful to, 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 to Christ, <laughs> I can't see why not, you know? I mean, yeah. the thing is, babies can be filled with the Holy Spirit, too. That's so I mean, very it, true. It was proven with John the Baptist. That's right. Uh, babies can be filled with the Holy Spirit already in the mama's womb and and can have already declared Christ in his heart, you know? <laughs> that is so very true. You know, I, I I feel that that's so very important, so I'm going to turn there to the book of Luke. And the book of Luke describes about... Uh, about the about John the Baptist and what was prophesied about him. And this was when the angel Gabriel came to meet John the Baptist's father, and his name was Zacharias. And I think you find it in the book of Luke chapter 1, and it tells about it, it, the, the angel Gabriel is talking to Zechariah um, about, about the child that was to be born. And I think you're going to find it. There it is in verse 15. Would you like to read that, Jess, in Luke chapter 1, verse 15? Sure. It says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And so I believe that salvation can come to babies, even when mom hasn't given birth to them yet. Right. (laughs) It's wonderful. Okay, so thank you very much for the person who sent in that question. That's a, that's a very decent Nominee. question. And uh, we just want to let you know that we have about 10 minutes left in the first half of our program. And so we have 10 minutes before we take a break. And so we would like to simply invite you to call 472-1111 if you're calling from Guam. And that's uh, 472-1111. If you're calling from Saipan, Tinian, or Rhoda, then please dial 323-1113, 323-1113. Go to facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio, and we'll see you, or rather, no, we'll see your, com- your question in the comment section. You can see us on the live stream. And so if you go to facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio, leave your question there. We'll see you immediately. Okay, so um, do we have any other questions, Jessica? Yeah, we have a a call a question that came in through call. It says, "Young teens want to know: Should us kids be afraid of knowing Jesus is coming?" Good question. Very good question. Okay, young teens, I'm so glad you're sending in questions like this. Kids and Jesus, teens and Jesus. If Jesus is coming, should you be afraid? And, you know, this doesn't just go for young people. This uh, goes for those of us who are a little bit more mature or very mature. Um, that I remember studying with a, she was a young mother, and uh, the, the dad wanted to study about last day events. Mm-hmm. And we studied about the signs of Jesus Christ's second coming, how Many of the signs are, have either happened or are happening right now. And in the middle of the study, she, you could see she was trembling visibly, and she exclaimed, 
you know, stop it, you're scaring me. <laughs> right. And so I do know that the thought of Jesus coming and the world ending, it's, it, uh, it can strike fear into a heart, into the heart of a person. But here's the thing. If you go to the book of um, Revelation, chapter 6, if you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 6, it describes a people who, when Jesus Christ comes and the sky opens up and there is a loud trumpet and when Jesus Christ comes, these people respond in a very specific way. Jessica, if you could find, uh, there it is, in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 15 and 16. It says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Okay, so when the when these people realize that Jesus is coming, they respond with fear. But look at another um, look at another group of people in the book of Isaiah twenty five verse nine. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 25, verse 9, I'll, I'll read this, Jessica. Okay. And it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So this is a different response. And, of course, these are the people of God. What makes the difference? I think you can see it in Isaiah 25 where it says, this is our God. Mm. And so teenager, young person, child, is God your God? Because no one is afraid when they hear their friend is coming. If the person is a friend, then there is no fear. And so if you make God your friend, if you listen to him, if you are speaking to him in prayer, You're reading the scriptures and you have given your heart to Jesus and you are following what the word of God says to do. And then you develop a relationship with Christ that becomes deeper and more loving and more wonderful. So when Jesus comes, you'll be greeting a friend and there's no need to be afraid of it. But the people who haven't done these things, the people who haven't established a, a true biblical relationship with God, there is no other reaction except fear. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they ruined the relationship with God. And so they ran and hid from uh, God in the presence of the Lord in the garden. And um, that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And uh, we need to be careful to, to, to love God with all of our hearts. And in, in doing this, when Jesus uh, comes, th- you will not be afraid because you will be amongst his friends. Did you want to add anything to that, Jessica? You know, Pastor Moffness, when I was reading that question, the first thing that came to my mind was there's this, I was uh, actually watching this video on the old news hmm about this fairy that had a whole lot of teenagers in it. Interesting. It was, it was, it was from a school. Hmm. A, fairy, a fairy boat. A fairy boat. Right. 
and that ferry boat was sinking. And they actually had live footages of videos in the in the in the cabins, and it showed all these teenagers sitting down in their cabins and how the the teachers were gathering them to each room. Mm. And little did they know that their boat was sinking. And they didn't know what was going on. And unfortunately, we we know the history of what happened. But what I'm thinking of is if they knew that there was another boat outside coming for them, they would have gone out of the that ferry to mm. to get onto the other boat. Right. A lot of them didn't know what was going on. Mm. And I was just thinking of that verse, yeah. John chapter 17, verse 3, where it says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. So the key is if you want to be saved, just know Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, know, and yes, to know he's coming so that you, you can... can prepare and right. get onto that boat to be saved. We do have a caller that's waiting patiently, and so let's take this call before we run out of time. Hello, welcome to Straight from the Bible. You're on the air. Hi, good afternoon, Pastor Mockness and Mr. Jessica. Good afternoon. Do you have a Hi. question for us? Thanks for calling. So my question, well, it's not really a question. Okay. So I was talking to um, a colleague of mine, and we were talking about, you know, going to church, Okay. And she was expressing to me that she goes to church and sends her children to church, but she doesn't understand. Doesn't understand. So it kind of made me sad, you know, for her not to understand church and missing out the word of, you know, God and all the good things and the Holy Spirit. It's, how, why is it like that? You go to church, but still not feel the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and that feeling that you get when you're sitting there in church and you're listening to the preacher. How does that person sit? How do you sit there and still not absorb all of that, that greatness, that Hmm. feeling that, you know, that makes you cry, makes you laugh? I I don't understand. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't get to you. You. Well, that's a Is good that a question. Fine or? Um, no, no, I don't believe so. Um, here's the thing is that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. And so if the Holy Spirit is working in a person's life, um, oh, it looks like uh, we've lost our, our, our sister who called in the question. But once more, the Holy Spirit brings in a lot of things, including joy. Um, but the Holy Spirit it primarily does not bring, um, it, not necessarily, an emotional high. Right. Now, there may be wonderful emotions that attend the Holy Spirit um, uh, filling your life, especially at worship. Mm. But Jesus himself said that when the Holy, when he, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, right. righteousness, and of judgment. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps, just perhaps, um, somewhere in the person's mind, it's not, um, it's not, uh, it's not the emotion of joy and things like that, but perhaps they are under conviction of other things, mm. uh, perhaps sin. Perhaps they're just listening to the truth and letting it sink in. Um, a person um, who doesn't want to go to church, 
a person who feels, uh, you know, uh, that they're getting nothing from church, um, I would recommend, I would recommend that that person sit down with, uh, with God and, and with Jesus and the Bible. Because church, um, it, church really finds its meaning, first of all, if the person has a relationship with Christ. Mm. If the person doesn't have that, then, um, well, I'm just going to say it simply, that has to come first. Right. That has to come first before uh, the joy of worship. I, I would like to speak a little bit more about that um, in the next half of our, of our program. And so I would like to uh, just say to our listening friends, please stay tuned. We are not finished. We finished the first half of our program, but we'll be right back after this. It's possible you've done more reading than usual over the last year. But maybe you've taken time to read things God actually said in words He actually wrote. The good news is this book isn't just for personal downtime or a forced timeout. It's available anytime to shed light on tough questions, provide a roadmap for life's journeys, and offer guidance when struggle is a guest. The book can make you think, cause you to remember, and encourage change. It was written to instruct, crafted to be timeless, and began in the heart of a good God. You can remember it, share it, love it. There are moments when you will see God is wonderful, forgiving, protecting. It was written for people who change their minds by a God who doesn't. Everything can be corrected through the wisdom found there. You can even read and become willing to worship. That's a miracle. We call it the Bible. From Joy FM. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit your questions online to joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for Straight from the Bible. Hello and welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. We are live here in the studios of Joy FM. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to give us a call because we are here live, you're welcome to do so at 472-1111 if you are on Guam. If you are on Saipan, Tinian, or Rota, that's 323-1113. If you'd like to text your question, you're welcome to do so, 686-9999. If you want to email your Bible question, that's okay. We don't mind accepting those <laughs> as, as, as well. But we'd rather hear from you. But that's Bible at joyfmradio.net. And we'd like to hear from you on Facebook also. If you want to go ahead and put your questions there, that's facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Okay, and so um, I wanted to uh, go back to the uh, previous caller, and we're very thankful that our sister called in the question about, you know, uh, a person who doesn't seem to get the experience and the, 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 
the the experience that makes you want to cry or laugh or, mm. or or you know when a person is worshiping God. Now I'm going to go on record and say worshiping God truly is a um, it truly is uh, a wonderful uh, joy to know that you are in the presence of God. You are in the in the presence of a God who loves and cares for you. But I have, um, you know, um, if the Holy Spirit is working in the congregation, um, the one thing that I know that the Holy Spirit brings is something called the fruit of the, the fruit of the Spirit. We find that in Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. Um, Jessica, would you like to read that? Sure. It says, "But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law." Uh, in other words, if a person may be having a an incredibly emotional experience in church, but if I'm having nothing but emotions, but I don't have true Christian love, mm-hmm. I'm, I refuse to forgive my brother. Right. Or instead of joy, you know, I'm I'm a, still a bitter person. Then I might then I, I shouldn't judge my Christian experience by the emotions I have at church. But what is it actually? What is my faith transforming transforming me into? Am I mm-hmm. becoming a better person? Am I receiving the fruit of the Spirit? Right. And, uh, you know, just to show that the Holy Spirit doesn't always bring, um, you know, emotions that uh, may seem like uh, um, a very inter... Uh, I'm struggling for a word here. But, the you know, it... It isn't always um, something where where we are laughing. Um, well, well, the thing is, mm, emotions can be manipulated. Well, that's true too. You know, if sometimes we wake up in the morning grumpy, <laughs> sometimes right. not. But if you go to the book of John, chapter sixteen, speaking about the Holy Spirit, it says, "And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment." And so there are times when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings heavy conviction of sin. Mm. And I don't think the person's going to be smiling and laughing at that point. But if a person um, finds no attraction to church, if a person finds no, uh, doesn't understand the importance of going to church, then I would like to recommend this. That person needs to go to Christ, because if Christ has captured that person's heart, then they will find the reason to go to church, because um, church finds its meaning in Jesus, and it's only in Jesus Christ that church has an, and worship and songs and listening to sermons or or giving in our offerings and tithes. It's only when a person is already saved by Christ that these take on their full meaning and experience. And so I would recommend that that person uh, receive Bible study, prayers from their friends, and to have a one-on-one encounter alone with Jesus Christ. And when that happens, you will never be able to keep that person away from church. And so um, that's how I would like uh, thank you very much, dear sister, for calling. And I certainly hope that uh, these verses from the scriptures uh, provide some, some, uh, some insights as to your beloved friend. Uh, Jessica, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? 
Yeah, I like how you said once they have established that relationship with Christ, He Himself will bring them to church. Mm, true. Because Jesus did say that you know to to they, they will be they'll be part of His fold. That's true. Those he did. who hear His voice, absolutely, the sheep that hear His voice. He, but uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, e- even if Christ did bring them, and they're not doing the whole. You know, mm-hmm. uh, feeling yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit's not with that person. That's true. Yes. Because God may have brought them there, but it, who knows where they are in their walk in life with Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's something they're going through maybe uh, at the time, and so they're not necessarily, uh, you know, showing the type of emotions mm. that uh, other people might be showing. I and mean, he, even Jesus Christ, when he was mm. in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, Gethsemane, Gethsemane. He, he he was in the presence with you know. Mm. Uh, he was praying to his father. Right, and he, he he wasn't you know showing all kinds of happy emotions at the time. You know, mm. he, he that was the cup that he had to drink. Yes, at the time. It was uh, it, he was uh, sweating drops of blood. It was um. Yeah. Right. And if we're looking uh, uh, as evidence of the Holy Spirit with emotions, like I said, emotions can be manipulated easily. All I have to do, we're married, all I have to do is say one word and I can provoke you real easily. Oh, no. I hope hope not. I hope not. (laughs) So, you know, emotions go up and down, happy, sad, or Mm. whatever. So that's not necessarily the evidence of a Holy Spirit being present. That's true. You know, the, I, I like how you brought out in Galatians chapter five. That's mm-hmm. the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, uh, being in present in a person's life is mm-hmm. if their if their characters are growing That's to be right. more and more like Jesus Christ. You know, one thing I would like to point out is that w- one of my favorite books in the Bible. My favorite book is Revelation, but I really love the book of Psalms. Mm. And you know, that is a book of of worship, really. Because you know those those were songs to be to be sung to God, and have you ever noticed there are some there 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 are those psalms that are like the Lord is good He has filled me with good things and those are wonderful parts right. of worship. Right. But then there are those songs where David, when he was writing, he says, "Lord, where are you? Mm. You are so far from me." And you know, in, in other words, in these songs of worship. He was just pouring out his heart of in agony right. to a God that he knew would listen. Mm. And it's it's really interesting because if you see those psalms where he starts out groaning, at the end he says, the Lord is still good right. <laughs> no right. matter what. Right. So I wouldn't judge a person's worship experience uh, whether on smiles or frowns mm. because both both can be a part of the Christian experience. Right. Um, once more, uh, if I want to judge my Christian experience, I will look to how the Lord is transforming me to be more like Jesus. Right, right. And you know, if if your friend is, um, you feel like your friend isn't getting that experience mm-hmm. that you were hoping, you could always, you know, sit down and yeah. Lead that person to Christ. Right, lead that person to Christ. All have of a, a sudden, Bible church study with them. All of a sudden, uh, church is going to be wonderful. Them, yeah, you know, mm. um, let them see Jesus in you. Amen. Now it looks like we had a question that was given to us um, anonymously, uh, just through written form, uh, from a call. And so, what's the question there, Jessica? It says, "Where in the Bible, in the latter days, you find the U.S." the Bible. Okay, good question. Um, 
This is going to take a longer Bible study than I can give in the time that remains in our program. Um, if you would like, you may call Joy FM and we could give you literature that talks about um, the different nations that are going to be playing a part in the last days. Mm. But I would recommend that you look at Revelation 13. There are, um, there, there you see the dragon, right. and there you see the beast, mm -hmm. and uh, the one who has a mark, and then you have a third beast who comes out of the, the first beast comes out of the sea, the second uh, beast comes out of the land. And I would like to, well, once more, uh, once more, you need to uh, have a, a, a very comprehensive Bible study about the U.S. and Bible prophecy. Right. But one thing I would like to point out in the book of Revelation chapter t uh, 13, there was a time where I had a, a wonderful co-worker, and I'm not going to give his name, but he was in the military, and he was quite patriotic. And I, I love that about him. You know, he really loved his country, what it stood for. You know, the freedoms that we have in the United States are, are just, you know, they're just such a blessing. There's such a blessing that we have freedom of speech, freedom of worship. And then I pointed out that, did you know that the world is going to be forced to worship um, the beast? And he goes, he, he looks at me incredulously, and he says, even in America? I said, here, I, and then I turned to the book of Revelation chapter 13, and I, I um I pointed out um, verse 16, 16 and 17. It says, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So when I read that to him, I said, everybody is going to be worshiping according to the beast. They will receive his mark. They will be pressured and forced. Mm -hmm. And he says, even in America, I just read to him all the world. Right. And so, yes, that would include every single country on earth. Um, it will be a worldwide movement, the Bible tells us. And um, freedoms that we are enjoying now are going to be uh, compromised and stripped from us. Right. And the only hope and the only security that we can have is not in the laws of governments or in any uh, other power on earth, but our only security is to rely and to trust in God. And, uh, you know, uh, once more, uh, I've, I have pastored in three different countries and every country has wonderful uh, freedoms that they give to their citizens. I, I will say many countries do, uh, some more than others. But one thing I would like to uh, say is that in the end, when all things, when the heavens are, <laughs> when the, the mountains are being removed and everything around you is crumbling, everything that we counted on and enjoyed is being taken away and we are being pressured to to go against God and to break his commandments, the only thing we have then is to trust in God and he will deliver. Mm, amen. And so I would like to recommend that a person has a good sit-down study on the book of Revelation 13.
Okay, it looks like we have another caller, Jessica. And so why don't we answer okay, the phone? let's go ahead and put this person on the air. Hello, welcome to Straight from the Bible. You're on the air. Hello? I'm not sure if the person Let is still there. Let me see if I can press this one more time. Okay. Hello, welcome to Straight from the Bible. You're on the air now. One more time. Uh, hello, welcome to Straight from the Bible. Are you there? It looks like nobody's there. And so we are simply going to, I'm going to ask that um, whoever is trying to reach us that you please uh, try again. Okay. We do know that uh, a person has uh, called before. So I know that our lines are operational. And so if we lost you, if we lost your call, please forgive us. And uh, please try to return the call. And because we really do want to hear your question in the last 14 minutes that we have. And so go ahead and pick up your phone. And Jessica, what are those numbers that they need to dial? That's 472-1111 for Guam. That's 323-1113 for CNMI. Yep, we love to hear from you. But if you want to email your question, you're welcome to do so also at Bible at joyfmradio.net. We are also on Facebook right now if you want to check us out. That's facebook.com slash joyfmradio. Okay. So thank you very much for, the, for all these questions. I think we do have another email question. That, uh, well, that, I think the person called back. Oh, I see. Office, okay, go ahead. Looks like they just went ahead and left their question with our operators. Okay, and so let's uh, read the question. Uh, can you explain the three measurements in Ezekiel for the temple? Thank you very much for that question. When you read the book of Ezekiel, it is amazing. There are visions there about how God wants to... Um, he, uh, how God was working for Israel. There are, and then there are all these measurements about the temple. And the thing that puzzles many, um, many people who read the Bible, these temp, these temple measurements, when did these ever come to pass? Well, that's the, that's the bad part is that God was relying upon the faithfulness of his people. And uh, his people, of course, were the people of Israel. They were blessed by being God's own people. Through apostasy, they, um, they, they went astray from God's, what God had spoken to Israel from the prophets. And uh, you see in the book of Ezekiel that there was idolatry in the temple. There was uh, people worshiping Tammuz. And so all of these uh, things show that God's people needed a thorough, um, how do you say, a thorough revival and reformation in their faith to mm. turn back to God. Now, the measurements of the temple was God's way of, um, in the book of Ezekiel, I should say, in the book of Ezekiel, God was giving the measurements that Ezekiel saw of the temple. And these, this was God's way of trying to encourage Israel to become faithful because he said, if you are faithful, this will be what the temple will be like. And it is, they are glorious measurements. They are impressive, um, how can I say, um, impressive descriptions of the temple 
in the book of Ezekiel. But because God's people did not um, repent and reform, the measurements here in the temple just simply never came to pass. Mm. It was never fulfilled. Um, but you know what? We have another uh, measurements in the book of Revelation. It talks about the measurement of the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And uh, 144,000 uh, uh, feet are of the wall, the measurements of the how wide and how, uh, how, how tall uh, the, the walls are. And, it, and the Bible says and there is no temple for the lamb, uh, for the lamb is in, the t- in this city, so there's no need for a temple. Now, once more, this is for God's faithful people. And so although the temple in Ezekiel was never built because God's people never fulfilled the conditions, God has further measurements for a city for all of those who are faithful. And when Jesus Christ comes, he will take all of his faithful people to see those measurements. And it's far better than the ones that we see in Ezekiel. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Moffness. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, so um, it looks like we have, does, does that look like 10 minutes to you, Jessica? 10 minutes left in our About, program? Mm-hmm. I think if somebody were to call now for a question, we will be able to take it. And so pick up your phones right now, 472-1111. Please do not uh, hesitate to call. We would love to hear from you, 472-1111. And that's if you're calling from Guam. The CNMI may call 323-1113, 323-1113. Go to facebook.com forward slash radio. And um, when you get there, go to our live stream. Leave your question in the comment section. We'll see it like that, and we'll take it. And we want to make use of the 10 minutes that we have left. Okay. All right, Jessica. Um, I'm not sure if uh, a call is coming toward uh, coming in our direction, but we'll see. Is there a question that I can uh, take while we're waiting? All right. So there is a question that came in through email. If you can answer this, if mm-hmm. someone's on the line, who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek. That is a good question. Now, if we go to the Book of Genesis, chapter 14, verse 18, it uh, Melchizedek is mentioned for the first time. So if we go to Genesis 14, verse 18, could you read that first, Jessica? It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. King and priest. Mm. Interesting. Now, there are other stories in the scriptures. that It, it escapes my mind, um, my memory. There was a king who tried to who tried to do the duty of a priest, and God withered his hand. Um, In other words, that is not your role. You are king, you're not priests. And priests were never to be kings either. And so, but so it's very interesting uh, to see uh, Melchizedek, who is a king and a priest. Now, what's very, uh, the thing is, is that if you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, everything about um, Melchizedek being king and priest. Mm It says that the Messiah would be of the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek. That's important because Jesus was not a Levite. Now, the Israel's priesthood came from Levi. Jesus came from Judah. Mm. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't a Levitical priesthood. 
the ones who dealt with the sacrificial animals and an right. earthly priesthood. Right. No, in the book of Psalms, it says that Jesus was going, the Messiah was going to be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Mm. And that is a higher priesthood than the Levites were. Right. How do we know it's higher? Because in the book of Hebrews 7, it says that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And where was Levi when when Not Melchizedek? A, oh no, he was there. Oh, oh, right, right. He, he was, was in, in Abraham. Abraham, right. But the blessing, uh, the blessed, is in, is uh, lower than the one who's doing the blessing. Mm. And so Melchizedek in blessing Abraham, and in Abraham blessing Levi right. shows that Melchizedek's priesthood is higher. And right. so Jesus' priesthood is higher than the Levitical one. Mm. Now, so Melchizedek was a was a king and a priest in Salem. And so we see that uh, that's the old word for Jerusalem, you know, city mm -hmm. of peace. Right. And so Melchizedek was, you might say, the Old Testament um, type of the Messiah. And uh, Jesus, Melchizedek, um, Jesus priesthood comes from the line of Melchizedek. Okay. Okay, thank you, Pastor Moffna. So with the little minutes we have left, the caller did call back and left their question with our operators. So okay, you can let's, answer let's this. hear this question. Is there a way to tell if a prophecy is a dual or not? A dual prophecy, how do we know? Mm. Many times you're going to have to look at the context. Now, because of a lack of time, I'm going to have to do this very quickly. But in the book of Matthew chapter 24, and we've already gone there, the disciples asked Jesus, um, uh, uh, several questions. Right. When when will these things be? When is the, when is the temple going to be destroyed? When is the time of your coming? And he asked all these. They asked him all these questions, and he gives a prophecy that answers at least. Well, answers both of them really. Right. With one. When answer, will these right? things be? Right. When is the temple going to be destroyed? And he addresses that in the signs. Mm. But they also asked him, "When is the t sign of your coming?" And so then he see uh, he addresses both in Matthew 24 dual prophecies regarding the destruction of Jerusalem, mm. but that destruction of Jerusalem foreshadowed the the end times and leading the the signs that would lead up to his second coming. False Christs mm. presented themselves at the time of the apostles, um, and so Jesus said to watch out for false Christs. They were there. Um, around the time of the of AD seventy, but they are also in a more pronounced way going to be present at the last days as well. And so, how can you tell if a prophecy is dual? You do have to look at the context. Um, many times there could be um, more than one application to the prophecy. Right. But there's always a a main a main application. If the prophecy is specific, like God gives a date, God gives a day, mm. then that's not going to be dual because he's talking about a very specific thing. Right. Like when he talked to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a tree and being cut down and there's bands of, of iron around that tree and then that tree would, would be restored. He was talking to Nebuchadnezzar. And that prophecy is all about what happened to him when he lost his mind and became like a beast. Right. That prophecy is only for him. It doesn't apply to anything else. And so you do have to, it does take some study 
it does take some context reading. Right. And we have to be honest. What is God talking about? And uh, that's how I usually look at a prophecy, whether or not it's applying to one person or if it's applying to more than one thing. Right. You do have to uh, ask yourself, according to the context, what is God talking about? Is he talking about one thing or two different things? And I do notice that, especially in the Old Testament, there are a lot of prophecies that do that apply to their time mm-hmm. and is also applying to us even today. Because it foreshadows. Right. You know, right. it's, like, it's like what Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the, in, in the last right. days. Right. And Noah, he prophesied. <laughs> and so, again, once more, you have to look at, you got to look for these clues. Right. And again, it's uh, not usually a surface study. Usually, it's you got to dig a little bit to see some of these clues that show that the prophecy doesn't only apply to one thing. Right. Okay. Now it looks like we are um, almost out of time. Five fifty-seven. It looks like we have less than three minutes left. So I think we're just going to have to satisfy ourselves with one last email question. All right, last email question. Do you think the Shroud of Turin is real? The Shroud of Turin. Oh, boy. That takes me back to the 80s, okay, (laughs) when I first uh, heard about it. Um, The first thing I want to say is what many people consider to be holy relics are not important at all. (laughs) If a person were to come to me and say, this is a piece of wood from the actual cross, I see no reason to put any faith in that. The the short answer, the the Shroud of Turin was proven to be a fake, and it doesn't even reach all the way back to the time of Jesus. It goes uh, more towards uh, the year 1260 to 1390. They carbon dated it. It's not that old. Um, but uh, again, uh, religious artifacts and things like that, we don't need to put our faith in them anyways. We put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, and he is all that we need. And so I would like to thank you for tuning in. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Straight from the Bible today. And we would like to invite you to tune in again next Monday for another time of Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Lewis Moffness and Jessica Moffness saying good night. good night and God bless. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime to bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net. Or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.